goal is to live like a fulfilling and authentic life. It's not to like climb a ladder and become like this, you know, big level of what the world says success is. Like success is in your everyday, loving what you do when you get up and being fulfilled and doing it. So how do we start to mold young girls and athletes to start seeing that and defining that as success than let's just get out of college and get a job. Hey everyone, Coach D here, and welcome back to the Standing O podcast. I have a great interview to share with you today, and I'm really excited for you to meet my guest, Morgan Jones. She has so much wisdom in this conversation, and I know you're going to want to listen to this episode on repeat. Morgan Jones, or Mo, has quite the basketball stat sheet. She is a high school All-American basketball player. She played at Florida State, and she turned pro. But as you'll hear in our conversation, the stat sheet is the least of what makes Mo great. Her mission today is to help athletes find their identity beyond sport and what they do. She has impacted over 5,000 student athletes to design and define who they are becoming. And she's been featured in Essence Magazine on ABC and CBS. Like, no big deal, right? We talk about the transition, like that transition after sports are done. Mo defines success for us, and she shares how we can transition out of sport without losing. It's such an important conversation. Here is my interview with the amazing Morgan Jones. Well, hi, Mo. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to talk to you. So like before we begin, like, I want to know what made you fall in love with basketball? What made me fall in love with basketball is the aspect of working with the team. Um, my friends were in basketball as a young girl. Um, I felt like it was a space for, for me. I was tall. Um, and I felt like I just fit in. I think that's, that's, that's probably why I started um, and why I fell in love with the game is just because I felt like I belonged there. When you were a, like a little girl, like, you know, six, seven, were you, did you always have a ball in hand or were you just kind of like outside? Just yeah, my parents, my parents were coaches. So okay. I grew up and I have a sister who's two and a half years older than me. And she went on and she played division one basketball as well. So I've always been able to watch her and kind of follow her footsteps. And so I was in the gym, whether I wanted to be or not. Um, It was just a matter of when I wanted to pick up the ball and start playing. And my parents did a really good job at not pressuring me Mm. to um, pick up the ball and you need to be doing this and doing that. It's like, no, it's here for you when you're ready. It can take you places that you can't go yourself. So whenever you're ready. Let's do it. Mm, I love that. My brother and I've had this conversation a lot too, because we are coaches kids. And so we grew up at the track and like our playtime was like jumping on the high jump pit or playing in the sand. Right. And so people assume because we both did track that our parents pressured us to do it. And it was like the complete opposite. It was just kind of like, like you said, whenever you're ready Mm -hmm. for you. So that's cool. I'm glad you had that experience too. How did you, like, I know you basketball took you a lot of cool places and, um, you got to experience a lot, but how was your transition out of basketball? Like when you were no longer Mo, the basketball player, like what was that transition like for you? 
So the transition out of athletics was really, was really difficult and it was really challenging. Um, I went from having a full on, you know, support system, academic staff. I was being fed all of my meals. My housing was being taken care of. I had built in friendships there. Um, and, you know, at a drop of a dime, almost it's all gone. And you're back at home on mom and dad's couch, kind of figuring out what's next. Um, you know, wrestling with the idea that you're not going to competitively show up again and um, play on that type of platform. And it's really difficult for a lot of athletes because it's essentially a loss. I mean, it's, you know, they say athletes died twice. Like it's truly <laughs> a loss that you go through where at first it's like, oh, yay, this is okay. I, I have some meaning this. Okay. This can be exciting. And then it starts to go like, wow, no, it's really not there anymore. So it was really challenging and it, and it takes a lot of reflection, a lot of self-awareness, um, a lot of honesty with yourself um, to be able to you know, pick yourself back up and then start you know, rediscovering and redesigning what you want your life to look like from that point forward. Did you know when basketball would be done? Like for me, and I think for a lot of female athletes, even when we do college, right? We know we're not going pro. We know like this is, there's no opportunity for us after you know, when I graduated, there wasn't really like Instagram. So it was like, I couldn't even make a living, like selling white strips, you know, like I, I knew kind of like I was, I was done. Um, and I had to go be a real life person. Did you have that where you knew like my five years are done? Um, or was it kind of taken from you when you weren't ready? Um, so for me in basketball, like I was actually sold a dream of becoming a pro. So that's what I was chasing. Um, I know in basketball, it's different than track um, mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, what the professional level looks like. And, um, you know, you can go to the WNBA, you know, that can, you can get there. Are you going to go to the WNBA? Have you played in the WNBA? Those are questions that I still get asked till today. <laughs> um, so it was almost like this journey that I was chasing that I wasn't even sure if it was really mine. It was kind of put on me by others. And so I chased it. Um, Florida State, I graduated in 2015. And then I had uh, to make a decision whether I was going to go on and play um, my fifth year or go play pro. And so I decided to kind of put, you know, put that on my resume and finish the journey, if you will, and went and played pro. And I played pro in Puerto Rico for one season. Um, it was incredible. It was awesome. It was a short season. It was only four months. Um, but it's still was a lot of the same things that you experience as a high level athlete of, I love you when you're doing great. I hate you when you're not mm. and the emotional and mental toll that takes on us, takes on us as women, as human beings, um, where we see that like our value is really dependent on how we show up in the stat sheet and on that court. And, um, so for me, it was, you know, I, I played really well and then there was games when I didn't play too well. And um, I don't know if you've seen the, the movie Love and Basketball when you have the coach who's oh, yeah. yelling at Monica, like, you know, this is what we're doing and stuff. And then the teammate comes over. And I had that same scenario in when playing pros, we were all in the locker room and the coach was like screaming at me in Spanish and I had no idea what he was saying. <laughs> One of the teammates comes over and says, you know, he said that if you don't score more points, you're going home. Mm. And so that was just a really deep reality of, um, how limiting the, the college or not college, excuse me, the elite athlete, um, 
you know, conditioning, if you will, <laughs> is. Um, and so my value, you know, so I just started really, really looking at that and saying, you know, how can I, you know, complete and put a bow on this experience of being an athlete um, in my own way. And so um, the team actually did end up cutting me and they brought in someone else. And ironically enough, though, it was, I was already invited to play in the all-star game for the league, which was like a couple days after they had cut me. So I had to stay around. And so uh, I showed up to the all-star game and I played and I ended up getting MVP of the all-star game across the whole entire league. <laughs> and so I proudly had my trophy there and, um, you know, smiled at all the commissioners and my coaches, you know, and, um, right after that, I got picked up by another team because they're like, wow, she's the MVP. Let's have right. her on my team. So I did one more contract with, um, contract being like a week long contract with another team that was in Puerto Rico. And, you know, they paid me whatever the weekly salary was. And, you know, I said, I'm going to go out the way I want to. And so I flew my mom and my sister up to Puerto Rico. We stayed in a resort. We had margaritas. We went out. We had a great time. And I did my weekly contract. And then I just said, okay, thank you so much. I'm going to go home. And that's how I ended my, my basketball career. That sounds enjoyable. <laughs> it was. I had like margaritas at practice. I was, I was like, this is not good, but I don't care. I've given so much to this sport. Like it is what it is at this point. Yeah. I don't recommend that to the listeners. <laughs> well, I like that you had that um, perspective that, you know, this is, it's important to you. And this experience means something to you rather than like letting other people dictate how you were going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the power that we all have, right? Like once we start to believe that we have that power, you know, when you're growing up and, you know, you're going through these stages of dependency and independency, if you will, um, you know, you know, high school, you're under mom and dad's leadership and authority. And then you transition into college where you do have a little bit more freedom, yet you're still under the system of your coaches and what they're telling you to do. Um, and then you go into like the pro level and you get even more space to kind of choose your day and like become kind of independent. And so it's like continuing to grow through those phases and making more decisions for yourself and being empowered in whichever way it goes. Like that's how we develop leaders from a young age is like how teaching them how to navigate their own journey and their own process, not doing it for them. Well, I want to know like that week you got home, like when you're, you know, basketball's done and you're at home on your couch. Um, when I was done with college track, so my track career is over, right? The last time I want to put on those tiny little spandex buns. Um, like I went straight to the next thing. Like I got married, I became a fourth grade teacher and you know, there's something about teaching fourth grade and like your athlete ego, like, because I got hugged literally like every day and they told me I was amazing and they made me cute pictures and I put it on my fridge. Right. And so, um, I feel like I didn't, I didn't have that, um, oh my gosh, I'm done with athletics grief. And I also went straight into coaching too. It wasn't until six, seven years later when I became a stay at home mom, and my biggest accomplishment of the day was like making mac and cheese. And I was a mess. Like I was like, 
who am I? I can't do anything. Like, I just, like, I think that's when it hit me. It's like, I masked, I masked my need for approval and achievement through athletics. It turned it into teaching. And then when I had none of that anymore, when I had nobody telling me I was amazing, I think that's when it really, it really hit me. So what was that like for you? I a hundred percent agree with everything <laughs> that you just said, because that's so, that's a reality for a lot of athletes is like, we just get out and we go into what's next immediately. And then we just figure out different ways to kind of feed that, like get that validation and that affirmation from outside, you know, influences, if you will. And that eventually runs out too. You know, like that's, that's the point of like trying to, the goal is to live like a fulfilling and authentic life. It's not to like climb a ladder and become like this, you know, big level of what the world says success is like success is in your everyday loving what you do when you get up and being fulfilled and doing it so how do we start to mold young girls and athletes to start seeing that and defining that as success then let's just get out of college and get a job because that's what ncaa that's what they measure it on right now it's like get out okay we have 98 percent of our athletes are job placed when they get out within the next four months boom got it check we're doing great right? And then there's all these other emotional and mental um, and spiritual aspects of the athlete that because they're very hard to measure, we don't nurture them. We don't honor those. So true. So how do we do that? Well, that's what I do. (laughs) So, you know, that's exactly what I do now is, you know, working with athletes early on to kind of have them re-examine their experience, especially young girls, Um, I think that our experience, you know, even though there is such a push right now for, you know, the WNBA to grow and women in sports, you know, equality and all of those things, the reality is, is that we're still really far off from that. Um, And even when we get to that point, there will still be a lot of athletes that fall off wayside. So it's how do we look at the female experience of being an athlete and not try to be our male counterparts, which is go harder, be harder but like really honor and nurture the fact that like we're emotionally wired, (laughs) you know, we have different thoughts and we have a different relationship with the world around us. So like, we have to honor that. And so for me, it's always creating intentional spaces where we focus on just that. I understand that. Yes, you can intertwine, you know, um, you know, confidence and, um, you know, awareness and discipline into our sport. Yes. But what happens is like, sometimes, when we intertwine it with our sport, the essence of what we're really trying to say gets lost because it's coupled with the fact that like, okay, we're going to do this dribbling drill. You have to be disciplined and, you know, and do it this much time and discipline takes you in life. No, let's, let's detach from what we're doing and truly sit with ourselves. Who are we? If we strip off the athlete identity, if I don't show up in another stat sheet for the rest of my life, then who am I? Do I love myself? Am I being myself? And am I living authentically? If I see my sport coming to an end, like I know I'm not going to do sports in college or, um, you know, I'm entering my senior year of college and I know this is my last year of sport. Like, how can I start to prepare for that after part? Curiosity. Like you just really have to tap into curiosity. Um, you have to be more curious about yourself. Um, You have to start looking at your experience. You have to start extracting the lessons, what you like, what you don't like. And then you have to be more curious about others and different things that are outside of your sport. 
um, still till today, like I very rarely watch sports. I very rarely, um, you know, find my wisdom or my inspiration, if you will, from sports figures. They're, they're doing all different types of stuff. Um, I love learning. I'm a constant learner. And I think that's the thing that, you know, as athletes, you one obviously like, you know, you're told everything, right. You're taught everything, but like when you get out of, out of college, like you're not done learning, you're actually really just starting to learn not only through experience, but like self-education, like you have to teach yourself. I can't, I cannot advocate for what college teaches you in terms of um, what you learn in a classroom. I think college is all about the experiences that you have with your peers on campus, you know, scheduling routine, all of those things, but independence, but in terms of like what you actually learn practically, I'm not an advocate for it. So when I got out of college, I taught myself everything. I taught myself social media, branding. Um, I taught myself, um, oh gosh, now I'm like thinking, what did I teach myself? A lot, basically. <laughs> and um, I think that's the part is like, you, you just have to be so you have to be a, a teacher of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Like that, that self-motivation of like, um, it's Saturday morning and I went to go work out all on my own. It like, it's the same concept, but it's like, you know, a different vehicle to get you there. And if you're not willing, if you're not willing to do the laps in the morning, then you're probably going to just be waiting. I think young people struggle with that because there's so much information out there. Like we didn't grow up in social media culture where we're like, we had to choose who we wanted to follow. And, you know, we had all these people that all of a sudden are thought leaders and like, you know, it's just a lot going on right now. And I think young people are having a hard time navigating their own path because there's so much information out there. But what I got is like, you can do this and you can do that and you can go, it's limitless. Yes. And also (laughs) you've got to figure out your path because you can't be on everybody's path. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, one of the greatest pieces of advice that I got from one of my mentors, Brandon Marshall, he said, um, you know, I was calling him about like, what do I do? And you know, what, what kind of avenue do I take? And I think I'm thinking about starting this, do I? And he said, one, he said, um, first he asked me how old I was. And I'm like, oh, I'm like 22. And he's like, oh my gosh. He's like, don't expect to make any money till you're 35. Mm -hmm. If you want to truly do what you love to do for the rest of your life. Okay, got it. He said, everything that you need to know is on the internet. Everything that you want to know is on the internet. So I'm in this situation where like, he literally could have came in and been like, no, do this, do that, do that. But he gave me, he put the power back in me to say, no, go teach yourself how to get to this goal and then be patient in doing it. The thing, the thing is like in transitioning, you want to automatically have a boom business. You want to automatically share it on social media that I got my new business. And this is what I'm doing. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's not about the logo. It's not about, you know, what it looks like on the outside. It's like going deep and saying, am I fulfilled in doing this? Do I have the patience to sustain it? Do I have the fundamentals to be a business owner and lead myself first? So then I can lead others. Like there's a lot that goes into that. But I think the biggest thing is like that patience. And then knowing like how to discover your next path. What I'm getting from you is a lot of like, just these appreciation for these basic, like for curiosity and for ownership and like 
almost just like taking charge of your own, your own life, your own journey, your own dreams, your own goals. I love that. You do. I, on all of everything that I teach, I, I let, I let my, my mentees fall into like complaining victim mode, if you will. That's what I like to call it because I was in that space. I was in the victim mode space and it never served me. Like I was so mad at my coaches and for how they treated me and stuff. And I just kept being mad at them and like, they're still moving on. Mm. So like, yes, you can be upset. Right. But like that forgiveness and working through that so that you can get to the other side and see that perspective different is really, really important. And so I allow all my mentees to like go through that space of, yeah, you can, it's hard. Yep. It sucks. Yep. You shouldn't have been treated like that. Yep. I validate those feelings. Absolutely. And now where do we go from here? Right. Um, okay. Before I ask you my fun questions at the end, where can we all find you? Like, where do you hang out the most? I hang out on Instagram the most. So visions, V I S I O N S with Mo. Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you. Okay. Rapid questions for you. Okay. You're up to bat song. Um, it's unstoppable by corn Hawthorne. Okay. If you played a different sport, like if it wasn't basketball, what sport would you pick? Volleyball. Did you play when you were younger? I did. I played volleyball. I love now you, you, when you asked me at the beginning, like, <laughs> how did you love whatever sport it yeah. was volleyball? I loved volleyball, but I chose basketball. All right. Who was your childhood sport idol? I didn't have one. I didn't have one. I mean, they just weren't as visible. They weren't as visible. Like I didn't know anything beyond, Oh, that, that person plays a sport. I would say, um, you know, I had more male idols than I did girl idols. And I used to go to the WNBA games and I used to want to take pictures with the cheerleaders. <laughs> that doesn't tell you about that, you know, <laughs> they're, they're doing their work too. That's good. They are, amen. Well, it sounds too like your sister was a big influence in your life. She was, she absolutely was. I credit a lot to her because I tell her all the time, like, I was able to watch you make all your mistakes and come behind you and get it right. And we laugh about it because she's like, oh my gosh, it's so true. Like I just made all the mistakes and you got it all right. But we are like best friends. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Fill in the blank. I feel confident when. I feel confident when I am being a contributor to others. Okay. And final question. So what is your standing O moment? Oh, when I gave birth to my son naturally, not that it's not like an achievement otherwise, but, um, that was my, that's definitely like a standing O moment. Like I'm out here flexing Mm -hmm. with my my three-year-old son. (laughs) He's three now. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I told my dad, I said, if I had <laughs> so silly, but, um, I hated the 800. Like I did the heptathlon. So I always had to end with the 800 and I hated it. And it was so hard. And I cried like every time. And after I had my first kid, I said to my dad, I go, you know, if I would have had a kid in college, the 800 wouldn't have seemed so hard. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, I told my coaches that the other day, I like the conditioning we used to do. And I'm like, man, that has nothing on the endurance. You need to be a mother, like nothing nothing, nothing at all. So I feel you on that. <laughs> well, that's cool. I think that is a great standing out moment. So 
Um, Mo, I'm just so grateful for your time for us. And I just want to applaud you for um, just taking charge and like really wanting to provide better experiences for those girls that follow you. So thank you. Thank you for having me. What a powerful question to consider. If I don't show up in another stat sheet for the rest of my life, who am I? Like I said, this is an episode you're going to want to listen to again and again. There is so much important things that we should be discussing with each other, with our athletes, more. And we're not. Success is in our everyday. Have you thought about that? Like that really hit me. It's not about what is in my stat sheet that makes me a success or what I link in my bio. Success is in our everyday. It's in fulfillment. Other powerful takeaways for me were being curious and patient and finding ownership in our own journey. I'd love to hear what stuck out for you. Thanks again to the incredible Morgan Jones. I encourage you to look her up. She is on socials, Visions with Mo, that's V-I-S-I-O-N-S, with, and then Mo is M-O. And her website we've linked below, it's Morgan M. Jones. This interview, it's so important. It's a conversation that more of us need to be having. So please share it with a friend, a teammate, a coach, and encourage them to be curious. Thanks again for tuning in to the Standing O podcast. Be sure you've hit that subscribe button and I'll see you next time. This is Coach D and I'm cheering you on. 